being genuine is really powerful and it's powerful because it's rare because it's risky. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about the power of imperfection in sales, the power of authenticity, connection, ensuring we're consistently the best version of ourselves in the sales process. This is not just some cute quote, although those that have listened to the podcast and been in class with me know I'm not the touchiest feelings of individuals, but this stuff is extremely important if we want to up-level our skills. It is a viable business strategy. And some, including myself now, although I wasn't always this way, would argue it's critical to the success in business today, especially with the changing demographics that we're dealing with. To help us, we have with us Dawson Cochran. She spent many years at Gardner's, now a managing partner at Value Selling Associates. Dawson, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the show. My pleasure. Happy to be here. So we always start off with one kind of oddball question. So people get to know you a little bit more as a human being along the, <laughs> along the track of authenticity and, and being vulnerable. And I've been on this kick and I don't, I don't know why. I probably will discuss that in therapy at some point. But I'm <laughs> curious about what it is that you're passionate about that those that only know you through work might be surprised to learn about. Oh, heavens. Well, I have a lot of strangeness, but I would say <laughs> one, oh, no kidding. But one thing that might surprise people is that I live in Southwest Florida. I'm an avid snowshoer. Whoa. I know. So do See, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> so you don't do a lot of it then? No, we go out a couple times a year. My partner's a skier and I, that just scares me to death. Uh, but it's brilliant to go. I mean, I, I love my job, but sometimes the world gets a little bit too people-y. Yeah. And to be out in the woods by yourself for hours on end, is it's just brilliant. It's yeah. hard work, but gosh, you get to the top of a peak and you earn that view. It's marvelous. It's a real you know, kind of break from your day in, day out. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Solitude is golden. Uh, I am, and I say this when we're working with clients, I, I default to introvert, not extrovert. Although people are like, what? Really? Isn't that? I, I get the same thing. <laughs> I, I guess, I mean, it also depends. I'm not, uh, I'm not drinking in class, but also it depends how much I've been drinking before, to, to determine how surprised they really are by that. That's, um, yeah, I got to say, alcohol and altitude don't yeah. combine real well. So I save <laughs> right. that for when I get back. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about authenticity. We're talking about imperfection in sales. Why is this such a hot topic right now? Why, why do you find it so powerful? I mean, at the risk of stating the obvious, I just, I, I don't perfect very well. Um, <laughs> I just have never been able to do it. I, I strive for excellence, but my gosh, when I find myself trying to be perfect, it's like all the soul comes out of the conversation. And it's just exhausting and it's time consuming. And I think the business, imp I'm sure the business impact here is that, you know, if you sound like you're faking it, people don't trust you. Right. And, you know, if you're going to do business with somebody or go on vacation with somebody or, you know, develop a friendship, gosh, it's just better if everybody trusts everybody else. So, you know, I'm not saying don't do well. I am saying like, just do you. <laughs> and understand there is no such thing as perfection. It's actually something right. it's that... frustrating. Yeah. Well, it's frustrating, but it gives us a goal, right? I mean, it's the yeah. thing that sets us apart. It's part of the human condition. But 
we're in a spot where if you look at the MarTech, actually, I was just talking to a gentleman yesterday, told me it's 7,040 companies as of yesterday or Friday. It's probably two more now that are in the MarTech. Uh, they call it the MarTech 5000, but 7,040 some odd companies mm-hmm. that are all around automation using AI. You know, how do, how do we make it, you know, a little bit more seamless, get more quantity rather mm-hmm. than quality? And so if we look at it from a sales perspective, imperfection, if you look at the tech landscape, is a little bit, it's almost counterintuitive because people are using tools that are designed to maybe remove some of the human element of it. I'm curious from your perspective, why is this concept of imperfection so powerful in sales specifically beyond the trust issue? Well, I think it's it's about being real. I mean, there's a quote, and forgive me, I should have looked it up before this interview, but there's a quote, I think it was Kiplinger, and it might have been called Revenge of the Philosophy Majors. And I majored in philosophy, so I had to pick it up. And you know, they made the point that you just made, which is you can have all the tech in the world, but ultimately, any business relationship is going to come down to two people across a cup of coffee. Right. And that last mile, just like in a supply chain, man, that last mile is where you're going to make or break that thing. And, you know, I think that, you know, being genuine is really powerful. And it's powerful because it's rare, because it's risky. Like, if I just put perfect out there and somebody doesn't like me, I can say, well, that wasn't really me. But if I put me out there and somebody doesn't like me, that's harder to hide from. So I think you, you know, you lose the people you wouldn't have had in the first place. But boy, the ones you connect with, you really do. And that's how you build, you know, friendships and a business network and everything else that really stick and matter and work for everybody. But it creates, and, and that's a great point. It creates a level of challenge inside mm-hmm. of organizations, right? Because in order yeah. to be truly authentic, one has to be comfortable with having the self, their self rejected, right? It requires a level of self-awareness. Dare I say a level of focus on our own humanity that is difficult for individuals to maintain, especially in an environment where we're always one to three inches away from a screen of some description, getting in the way of that human to human connection. And then to be able to... It's the dating profile problem. Do I put up the best (laughs) picture I ever took five years ago or do I say, this is it, you know, take it or leave it. This is what you deal with. <laughs> you know, I opted for the latter to be clear and it worked out brilliantly, but it's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you have the challenge of consistency, right? We all know that consistency, especially in sales, consistency of behavior from rep to rep uh, is what sets teams apart, right? It sets what teams apart that crush it from yep. those that don't. But that requires taking that level of awareness and uh, focus on self and and exposing it with purpose and precision. And so how do you suggest companies or even managers tackle that today when they're already struggling with the demographic problem from boomer to Gen Z? Now you get down to an individual level. And so how do you suggest companies tackle that? Yeah. So be careful with the boomer thing because I'm very close. And (laughs) it's supposed to be an insult now, although I'm very comfortable with the whole thing. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. If you say, okay, boomer, it's like, all right, whatever, talk to the hand. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, total diss. Yeah. Okay. I learned something new. I didn't know that. So I'll be yeah, I, I hear it more when I'm wearing my reading glasses. <laughs> um, but it, you know, to the question you asked, I think that's the whole art and science, how and what, I mean, in order for organizations to be efficient and, you know, not do a demo for everybody who dials into the, into the call center and you've got to have some how you've got to know that this is what works. Don't waste your time here. You know, this is the process that we expect because we know it's going to serve you and our customers well. It's the how 
that brings the art of it and the connection. You know, if you call up and read the world's best script, it ain't going to work. But the same content delivered with heart and passion. I mean, there's all kinds of articles that say, you know, if you're doing any kind of public speaking or presentation or anything, you're much better off being passionate and making a few mistakes and really connecting with people than having the perfect script. Nobody wants to hear a script. Yeah, no, nobody wants to. In fact, I've, I have found, um, and it, I'll be completely honest, when I f- first made the transition into doing what I'm doing today, I mean, work, mm-hmm. doing workshops and teaching and doing keynotes and stuff like that, I was scared shitless. It's my podcast. <laughs> I can say that I was, I was scared to death because it is a level of spotlight and vulnerability that the human. Yep. Condition. We're just programmed to get away from it. But what oh, yeah. was most powerful was when I owned my mistakes. When I I catch myself and I I use the wrong word or I mispronounce something. I'm just like I you know I apologize. That was totally on me, uh, and I should have been better prepared or whatever it is. Just own the mistake. It seemed to engender a lot more trust and credibility with the audiences and or the classes. And and I totally understand why it works that way. But I feel like we've uh, we've got a challenge with how do we get them to do it consistently, and then more importantly, how to manage manage it. I mean, it's tough yeah. enough to manage a team to begin with, right? Um, and now you've got to do it on an individual level. So, how if you were working with managers, what would you tell them? Well, I think, and I've done that for years, and I, I think that it's really important for a couple different reasons. So, one of them is you know, modeling the behavior you expect to the people you work with. If you want them to open up to you, you got to do the same thing. So if you come in in the morning and you've clearly been crying and they say, what's going on? And you say, I'm fine, which we all know stands for feelings I'm not expressing. (sighs) You know, why would they trust you? But if you say, you know what? I had a really bad night. My dog died. You know, let people in a little bit. And that way, if the people that are reporting to you are having a bad time, they know that it's okay to share some of that stuff. I mean, certainly you don't share everything in a business environment, but we spend a lot of time with the people we work with and, you know, to trust each other, to have a little slack here and there and, you know, offer some support just makes the relationship better from a business and a personal perspective. And and it's funny you say feelings I'm not expressing. I know that as effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Oh, that's good too. (laughs) Mine has less profanity. That's true. That's true. But that actually matches our personalities. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Uh, So one of the things that makes in the sales process, especially when you're working with prospects, clients, you're trying to upsell them, whatever it is, nobody's perfect, right? So there's this need to own... Uh, on mistakes. And one of the things I know you and I've talked about is you have to give people room to fail safely. Totally. Um, and so I'm curious if an organization, where have you seen organizations be able to do this, be able to give that space where it's safe to fail? You know, what benefit have you seen it drive in, in a sales process or a marketing process? Well, I, so putting on my sales manager hat, I would infinitely rather have somebody on the team that I have to pull back than push forward. Right. I want to work with somebody who every once in a while runs into a wall so hard they break their nose (sighs) because they're trying and they're pushing and they're trying new things. And I ended up learning value selling from Lloyd Zappington, who, you know, founded the whole thing. And he said something really smart to me because being raised in the American South and it's, you know, it's a generalization, but I think broadly true. You know, I was raised to cut the crusts off sandwiches and make sure everybody's happy and not, you know, ruffle any feathers, which is tough when you're in sales. And he made the point, he said, you don't know where the line is unless you cross it every once in a while. 
Ah. Which is brilliant. I like that. So, you know, creating a space where when the people who are working with and for and around you try something new and cross a line and break their nose, you know, take them an ice pack and say, good for you. And let's try something else next time because that looked like it hurt. I love it. I love it. As we were as we were prepping for this, going back and forth in email, there was a word that popped up because you, you, the minute you talk about authenticity or you talk about imperfection in sales, there's it, it kicks in the fear part portion of it, right? But you, there was a word that you showed up consistently as we prepared, and that was fun. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. fun. And totally. many, you know, people are terrified. They're terrified of being authentic for all the reasons that we've talked about that. But then compound it when you're in sales, when you get rejected more than you get accepted. True. This is a mindset thing. So how do you suggest or how have you worked with companies to ensure that they're able to shift the mindset at each level in order to turn that fear into something that is more enjoyable? All right. I'm just going to start with a story because it comes to mind. It's I've got a million, but this is one of my favorites. So I live in Southwest Florida. I'm home preparing for a hurricane, which is no fun, but I had a deal that needed to be closed and it was a really formal situation. So, you know, a picture, a bunch of IT executives sitting around a big wooden table and I'm pacing around my porch with a parrot on my shoulder because I'm home and she wants to be outside. So I'm in my best professional behavior. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the time. I look forward to whatever. So we're in the middle of this serious meeting and all of a sudden a hawk flies overhead and my bird lets out this absolutely blood curdling shriek. <laughs> so now I can only hear out of one ear and all the, cl- you could just hear him going, what the hell was that? And in my best professional voice, I said, I have to apologize. You may be aware that I live in Southwest Florida and I'm home preparing for a hurricane. And I described what happened with the bird and they all absolutely burst out laughing. And I said, well, let me put her up and we'll, con- no, 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 it's great. We love that you're doing this with a bird on your shoulder. Turns out one of the guys had a parrot. We talked about it for a minute and everybody just got over themselves. And the environment that it created was one in which everybody was just speaking freely and enjoying, you know, professionally, but speaking freely and enjoying themselves. And you could just hear everybody kind of lean back as opposed to, you know, raising their hands to ask a question like life is short. I think it's safe to say that people would rather have fun than not. Well, and especially when we're in an environment where it's harder and harder to, you know, the whole concept of work-life balance and keeping them separated. It's, it's, we're so connected all the time right. and people are so exposed. Well, I don't want to maybe expose is the right word, but they're so visible on all of these digital platforms that yep. it becomes very easy to um, make an assumption about someone rather than get to this, the center of their reality, the center of their authenticity, the center of who mm-hmm. they are by actually talking to them. And in order right. to do that, you have to, you have to be a little, you know, a little relaxed. We're not in, unless you're in healthcare or research, you're not curing cancer, right? Right. Exactly. And there's a line. I mean, I've certainly worked with some people where I thought, you know what? I appreciate you sharing with that, that with me, but let me get you a box of tissues and a line for a counselor. You know, <laughs> and no joke. When you come into particularly managing people with a lack of judgment and creating an open space, like it's amazing what kind of conversations will happen. I'm not suggesting being unprofessional. I am suggesting being, you know, you. It's just more fun. Well, and there's a difference between inappropriate and accessible. 
Yeah. Great. That's very well said. Right. There, there's, yeah. you have to have an understanding of the context. Now, yep. anybody who knows me probably knows I fall more to the inappropriate side. Well, um, to the point about crossing the line. Yeah. I, I have a tendency to, I see, I have a tendency to not think it's one that has to be crossed as much as one that needs to be rubbed out, but that's a personality flaw on my part. I'm working on that. So in therapy. Well, in, flaw's a big word. <laughs> it, some would say it makes me charming. Some would make, say it makes me a something else. And, and I'm okay with that either way. That's fine. Uh, well, and that's the thing because <laughs> the people, no joke. Now we've come full circle. The people who think that's charming will be with you forever. Oh yeah. And the people who don't, that's okay. Huh. They just might not be your kind of people. And boy, the more, you know, you just chad real hard. You're going to end up with the best friends and the best business associates because they're the ones who really get and like you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. I, you know, some of the people that are today, some of my best friends, some of my most trusted, uh, even mentors are people that I have sold to in the past. Yeah. You know, former CTO of the Minnesota Vikings. I don't even like football. I mean, and That's I remember funny. sitting in the meeting and they were getting ready to play. Again. I didn't even know it was in season. I was just at the headquarters getting ready to do this meeting with ownership and stuff. I didn't even right. know. I didn't, it was actually preseason. I still didn't know. And he made a comment about, some player or something that had just walked past the conference room mm -hmm. and I'm looking at him and the, you could tell the look on my face. Like, I'm like, who? And he's right. like, do you not know who that is? And I'm like, I, you know, maybe not the right time to tell you this, but I don't really care about football. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm turning the tables. Why did you say that? Um, because it, it was just the right, honest answer. I didn't want to, I, I wasn't going to sit right. there and try and say like, Hey, I don't follow football. Like I, no, no, I just don't care. Like I literally, right. you know, I joke with my buddy. We watched the uh, Buffalo Bills game on Saturday. He's a huge Buffalo fan. Mm -hmm. And I joke with him every time we're all hanging out. I'm like, so is this one of those sports with the oval ball or the little circular <laughs> you one? You and I have that in common. Yeah. It's just like, and, and it's just part of, it doesn't mean I don't want to hang out. It doesn't mean I don't want to go to the football game, but I'm going for different reasons. Right. I'm going because I want to hang out with people, not because I can crap about the game. Like I just, it just doesn't resonate with me. And if you lied about it or try to tell somebody you knew who, whoever it was, I mean, they'd see through it in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. You know, I, yeah, absolutely. people are afraid to say, I think, and especially in sales, I think people are afraid to say, you know, I don't know the answer to that, or I yeah. don't know what that is, but it is, I think much more commendable if you yep. are comfortable enough with yourself to be able to be honest. And I think honesty as a philosophy major, there's all these, mm -hmm. there's all these different elements to the tapestry, right? And I yep. think it's even more confusing when you have a digital environment where fake news and things like that are so prevalent or, oh, here we go. or animosity, right? Like, you know, all of that crap. And so to be able to have the strength of character to say, you know what, I don't know. And quite frankly, I don't care. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I'm not going to help you. But I just don't care about that or I don't know right. the answer to that. That requires a strength of character that I think we're seeing a lot of people struggle with. And it's going to be a huge issue, I think, for sales and marketing teams in the future. Yeah. And I, I would suggest the, you know, I don't know makes good sense. If it's something you ought to know to have the courage to, you know, have the curiosity to, to go figure it out. I never thought I was into quotes, but the one that's popping to mind is, not knowing is bad. Not wanting to know is worse. Yeah. I like that. Who said you know, that? Not I to put you no on the spot. I just did. In fact, <laughs> we will I don't know who said it before I did. It's going to be one of the quotes in the graphics for the episode. Dawson Cochran. No, no. no, no, no. You're going to get me on plagiarism. <laughs> no, mm -mm. we'll give it to the graphic designer. Don't worry. There you go. <laughs> All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We sure. ask all of our guests two standard questions. So first is, 
as a revenue executive, as someone running your own business, that makes you a prospect. And I'm yep. always curious to understand if somebody doesn't have a relationship with you, there's no referral in, there's no trusted access point. What is it that captures your attention? What does somebody have to do to capture your attention and earn the right to 13, 15, 17 minutes on your calendar to have a conversation? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And, you know, this isn't one of my ex-husband, my, his favorite, one of my favorite t-shirts of his is, it's not rocket surgery. And people would look at it for a second and pause, and then they'd burst out laughing. I mean, if you call up, and even with the best of intentions and the best product, if it starts with me, 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 I'm hanging up. You know, hi, my name is Jane. I have an office organization. You know, I'm going to be in the neighborhood, like, could care less. But if you know me and you know the problems I'm having, or you've got at least a smart guess, and you start by saying, Dawson, I see you just started a new business. Setting up a home office can be really tricky and expensive, but we can do it quick and very inexpensively. And we're going to be in the neighborhood next week. I'm making coffee. Right. So it's not only about what you present, but how you present it. And, you know, talk about me and, you know, try to solve a problem and you have my attention. Yeah. Sure. And I'm sure that's what everybody says. Well, and it's, it's interesting. Some, some, I mean, that's definitely one of the biggest trends. We've been asking this question for two years yeah. and it is definitely one of the biggest uh, trends that we see. Show me, you know me, like mm -hmm. let, you know, I don't know you. And the only way you're going to get my attention is if you can connect with what's going on with me right now. Yep. And it's not that hard to do, but it's amazing to me how often it isn't done. It isn't done well. And it's actually used as a crutch. Well, I don't know what they want. Well, then maybe we should be talking about career choices, not process, right? Right. Because we've been talking about imperfection. I'm not talking about not doing your homework. If you're right. unprepared for a sales call, that's not imperfect. That's lazy. <laughs> I'm talking about just making a good old honest mistake, which we all do. Yeah. And and it's okay. And that's okay. But right. if you're not going to put in the work to be the best version of yourself, yep. to do the things that we know at a minimum require are required mm -hmm. for success in any profession, not just sales or marketing or consulting, but yep. if you're not, like if you're getting up and you're going to work, you might as well put your best in. And if you're not willing to do that, then maybe we need to talk about why you chose to be where you're at because mm -hmm. the motivation, that self-motivation isn't something that anybody else can be able to give you. Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. There's another quote comes to mind here. They say, you know, adversity doesn't create character, it reveals it, you know, yes. and you know, when things get tough and you get, you know, objections from a prospect or whatever it is, I would argue that stress or a few glasses of wine <laughs> get you closer <laughs> to your natural instincts and behaviors. And, you know, handling adversity brilliant with a client can raise your stock much more than not having a problem in the first place. Absolutely. All right. Last question. We call it our acceleration insight. There's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services people, one piece of advice that if they listened, you believe would help them hit or crush their targets. What would it be and why? All right. So I've got this one. I mean, having worked with young adults forever and it's three things. And I think it's success in absolutely anything. It's blow past your goals with integrity and be nice to work with. And I don't oh. care what job you've got. If you do better than they tell you with integrity and you're pleasant to have around, you're ahead of the curve. I think the first two kind of go without saying the, you've heard of the layover test? No. Oh, so all other things being equal, if you and three other people are equally qualified for the job, the one who's going to get the job is the one you want to be stuck in an airport with for six hours. Uh, <laughs> I love it. And just be easy to work with. Don't make them send you 10 emails to get one thing done. 
you know, don't use a word they might not understand, but for heaven's sakes, just be the easiest and most pleasant part of their day. Leave everybody with a smile and then do, you know, a ton of good work with integrity. It's not, those things aren't easy, but it is really simple. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Dawson, if the listeners interested in talking more about these topics we touched on today, getting in touch with you to see how you might be able to help their business, where do you want us to send them? Um, so I have a strange first name. So if you just Google Dawson and value selling, I pop right up. And I dare say, if they reach out to you, you can point them in my direction as well. I will. Do you, would you also like us to include your LinkedIn link in the, in the show? Yeah, notes? absolutely. That'd be fine. Excellent. All right, Dawson, I can't thank you enough for taking time. It's been an absolute blast having you on the show. And it hasn't been perfect, but we still had a really good time. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.